The climate is changing at an accelerating pace. Thousands of residents and tourists have been evacuated from the region. No one country can solve this problem. There's really one key message that emerges from this report. We are out of time. Welcome to Climate Change and Happiness, an international podcast that explores the personal side of climate change, your feelings, what the crisis means to you, and how to cope and thrive. And now, your hosts, Thomas Doherty and Panu Pikala. Well, hello, I am Thomas Doherty. And I am Panu Pikala. And welcome to Climate Change and Happiness. Our podcast, the show for people around the globe who are thinking about the personal side of climate change, particularly their emotional responses and their feelings about climate change. And you can find us at climatechangeandhappiness.com and support us at our Patreon so we can bring this content to you. And today we are very excited to have a special guest. Hi, everyone. My name is Jennifer Uchendu. I'm calling in from Nigeria, and I'm the founder of Susti Vibes. Looking forward to our discussion today. Yes, and so we're glad to, we're really glad to have Jennifer coming in from Lagos. And um, we've been waiting for this conversation for a while. And as you know, we try to make this as best we can a world conversation and different, different people, different ages. So we're look, looking forward to chat. Panu, do you want to get us started? Uh, warmly welcome, Jennifer, also from my part. I'm really glad to have this opportunity to discuss. Uh, we've met online a couple of times in things related to climate emotions, and I've been fascinated by the work you, you've been doing in Nigeria, both research and then uh, leading and working with, with NGOs and so there's plenty to talk about here, and we're really interested about uh, Nigerian perspectives all, also. So, but would you like to start by saying saying a bit about uh, where, where you are and where you come from, so so to speak? So, what, what's up for you, Jennifer? Absolutely, thanks, Panu. Um, I'm calling in from Lagos, Nigeria, where I live and work. Um, Susti Vibes, my organization, you know, we're based in Nigeria, started here, have now started expanding to parts of West Africa, but really our work is for, you know, young people in Nigeria. I always like to tell the story as, you know, seven years ago, I was, you know, this really young person, I'm still young now, but, you know, super young, really passionate about, you know, the environment and looking for a platform where I can be a young person that meaningfully participates and contributes to environmental protection. And at the time, there were typical, you know, NGOs and CSOs in Nigeria that were run by older people. And there wasn't a lot of space for that kind of youth-led and youth-focused work. And then I started writing a blog, a blog about sustainability and the environment. And that kind of evolved into the work that I do now, which is like bringing young people together and driving um, work when it comes to, you know, environmental protection. And 
I found myself in this walk for climate and mental health as far back as 2019, where we saw that even though young people were coming together to do work on environmental protection, there was still you know, lots of emotions coming in and interplaying in our everyday lives that we needed to kind of interrogate, explore a bit more. And you know, that is, that's where we got to find out about eco-anxiety, you know, grief and all of those emotions that make us whole and human, I would say. And it's mm-hmm. been really interesting, you know, navigating these emotions, finding ways to safeguard them, especially for us as Africans, recognizing that, you know, our own emotions and triggers as it relates to the climate crisis is quite peculiar, especially when you look at it from the lens of climate justice, you know, and whatnot. So there's been so much to explore. It's been a journey of just learning, point myself to more and more exciting projects. But ultimately, the goal is to ensure that young people, you know, in my generation, young people who look like me have the right agency and the tools to transform whatever feelings of fear or powerlessness to hope and to action. So, yeah, that really is me in a nutshell. Mm. Mm. Nigeria, uh, Nigeria is, I'm looking at the map of Nigeria, Jennifer, it's, it's, um, I think I'd like to stay just at the beginning a bit about your, yeah, what is the experience of, of people there and young people? Um, it's funny, my daughter is 15 and she's studying human geography and she has a, she has a test today where I was helping her study for her test. And one of her, one of her vocabulary words is, uh, superimposed uh, boundaries on countries where you make a boundary of a country mm-hmm. that 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 lays on top of all the all the existing cultures and and uh, nations within within the culture and I know Nigeria is a very diverse place um, how do you as young people in Nigeria see yourselves in, in relation to the history in Nigeria with the oil mm. and with the politics and I know even into into the 90s there was violence against environmentalists. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm really wondering, do you feel safe in what your work, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is it, is it, is it really revolutionary what you're doing? I'm just curious mm. what it feels like here in the 21st century. Yeah, absolutely. Such a great question, Thomas. There's so much to unpack, you know, to be a young person passionate about issues around the environment in Nigeria. On one hand, you know that our livelihoods, you know, lifestyle is very much linked to our environment, you know, um, for us in Nigeria. You can't take that away from, you know, our reality. Um, You know, just a couple of days ago, we woke up and we just found out that we had no water. You're just trying Mm. to figure out what exactly is, you know, it's like it's the reality where every day there's some linkage with the environment, with natural resources and whatnot. But at the same time, where you live in Nigeria, whether it's the urban or rural area, whether it's the southwest, the north, kind of, you know, dictates your relationship with whether it's power or, you know, the issues at hand. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. in the Southwest who live in the urban area oftentimes are kind of more shielded than people who live in rural areas. And interestingly, you know, I've also been very curious about how the people who live in um, urban areas feel about the climate crisis, especially as we have, you know, kind of like a better lifestyle as it were. So 
I've actually just started a new research project um, working with um, Dr. Charles Ogumbode, you might know him, um, where we're investigating climate emotions in West African cities. So it's kind of, you know, that curiosity to find out, okay, what really is at play, um, especially for young people who live, you know, in cities. And having said that, um, we're also very cognizant of our history. Yeah, when I got into this work 10, 8 years ago and got to learn about, you know, cancer, we were Mm -hmm. got to learn about, you know, um, the Niger Delta, there was, you know, I was just kind of enveloped with so much anger and so much kind of grief to see that we lost, you know, that kind of, we lost, we lost people who had such passion, who really cared about their people, just, you know, in the face of corrupt and oppressive leadership. And while that's scary, we live in, you know, an age where that is not as expected as it would be because we're now in, you know, democracy and whatnot, the social media, you know, there's so many things that help us kind of um, um, achieve our activism. But definitely when you remember that, I think what that does to you is it empowers you to want to do more, you know, to want to be more radical, more revolutionary, to kind of push the limit and to demand for what's right. Mm. And, you know, we, I see that in, even in kind of the ideologies and things that I believe in and what I've, you know, we, we've kind of cultivated at Susti Vibes in terms of um, how do we, for example, understand what an energy transition means for us? You know, it's whose energy transition we want to ask. Um, are the principles around justice and equity, are they being, you know, put into some of these big words that we hear because it's really about our future. It's really about, you know, how we get to live in 10, 15 years time. So those that's how we think about, you know, this conversation, really thinking about our place and, you know, how we can continue to, you know, demand for what's right in ways that feel authentic to us. Mm. Yeah. yeah, thanks a lot, Jennifer, for for sharing sharing that. And Charles Okunbode, we had the pleasure of uh, discussing with a couple of episodes back and heard a little bit about this very interesting research project about climate emotions and in Western East Africa. And glad to hear that you are, Jennifer, part, part of that. And what, what I hear from you is that these things really come, come close to you. Uh, in in Nigeria and for Nigerian young 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 people and the time scale in in which very major uh, potential threats are seen that's much shorter than in some of the places in northern Europe where I'm living for for example mm. and then also the very uh, very understandable righteous anger and sense of injustice related to these tragic happenings and. Uh, uh, unjust uses of power, for example, in in, in Nigerian history. You have also written yourself that uh, you have often encountered feelings of anger and powerlessness uh, among young people in relation to this global complex crisis, uh, as the 
climate crisis is. So, uh, could you share a bit about the um, spectrum of climate emotions you encounter uh, in, in the pe- people you work with and and and, and meet? So, uh, it seems that this ang- anger, helplessness, that's one part of the spectrum. But well, what, what all all is there? Could you say a bit about? Absolutely, um, and yeah, because when you hear you know the work that we do, the name of our organization is Susty Vibes. You know, we kind of designed our our mission around youth energy, youth passion, you know, around having fun, around kind of building our agency from what makes us young people. And so our projects have really been designed around rather than having, you know, technical workshops, let's host a party instead. When we think about advocacy, can we have an art exhibition or a movie screening? So there's really been the idea of relaxation and fun incorporated in our idea of, you know, sustainability advocacy. But I mentioned in 2019, we saw kind of like a shift that even though we're doing all of these really exciting things, we still felt, you know, a sense of overwhelm. I personally felt, you know, that we're just up against so much when it comes to the climate crisis, mm-hmm. especially when you see, you know, we, we felt like, you know, a tiny 0.00001, you know, a fraction of the change that was needed to, to turn things around. And that feeling that kind of narrative oftentimes brought us down. You know, it made us feel kind of very weak and very small. So, you know, and that side by side with feelings of anger, anger because we're like, why do we have to work so hard? Why do we have to, you know, give up a lot of things, you know, to be these people we are as climate activists per se, and you know the world just kind of goes on. Some people would never have to deal with it, so you you would see that kind of um, you know drag and weight weight of um, you know burden of hope as it were. We were we're feeling um, as young people at Susty Vibes, and I thought it was really interesting because it wasn't until I got to the UK that I was able to you know put the two emotions together to see mm. that young people. In in the UK were feeling, you know, things like shame and guilt. And I was like, what am I ashamed of? You know, I'm angry. You know, it's mm-hmm. a different thing in this side. But I thought it was really interesting to see how even just context, power and privilege and positionality just changes the mm-hmm. way, you know, the emotions you get to encounter when it comes to the climate crisis. So in that spectrum, there are days, you know, we talk about days where we feel super hopeful, where we feel excited you know about the work that we do when we go out to the streets when we go tree planting and communities you know adopt the trees and you know commit to looking after them because it's important for them you know we're really excited about the work that we do and every survivor you know kind of has that mindset put in them that we do really good work for the environment but there are days where you know it's all gloomy and you hear in news, you know, you see something happening and you're just sad all over again. You're like, where do we kind of go on from here? So it's a spectrum of um, definitely where we kind of oscillate from, you know, really hopeful and joyful moments to days where we feel completely powerless and we don't want to do anything, you know, at all. And I think it's okay, you know, to have all of those feelings. Mm. The important thing is learning how to safeguard them, learning how to hold 
you know, both spectrums of the emotions and just pushing forward every day and showing up to be, you know, better, more responsible um, humans as it were. So that's the mindset we now take into our work. Yeah. That's very well said. That's very well said. When I think of vibes, I was hearing someone talk about vibing uh, just the other day, you know, to vibe with someone, you know, you talk about susty vibes, you know, to vibe with someone is to really feel comfortable with them, to feel light, to feel happy, to be in the present moment, uh, to feel safe, (laughs) right? That's how we talk about it in terms of our personal relationships, right? Um, So that's... I think something we need to we need to think about. Um, how do we bring that energy into our work uh, when we're carrying these super heavy? These we're working on these super heavy, wicked problems, and um, mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think old, old people forget about that, uh, <laughs> but you know, younger people are still making the world. You know, they're still finding the world. Why don't you say more? I know you have a lot of things you want to express about your work? Uh, You want to talk about some of your projects or some of your research? Yeah, for sure. And even just to touch on, you know, the idea of susty vibes, you know, when I came into this work, you know, thinking about sustainable development, I had heard someone who said, that even the concept of sustainable development sounds like an oxymoron <laughs> because mm-hmm. development is all about growth and then you're talking about sustainability. You know, where do you find the balance? And I was looking to create something, you know, that is really about um, making sustainability actionable, relatable, and also cool so that it doesn't sound, you know, like things that don't fit together so that we see it as like a possibility, you know, where we don't, you know, see a sustainable idea and innovation and we think, oh, this is, you know, completely foreign and impossible for us. And that really has been that mindset. So it's about being comfortable, making it, you know, part of our everyday lifestyle to talk about these issues, you know, to say, I'm a tree hogger and that doesn't make me weird, you know, per se. Mm-hmm. I am I'm a tree hogger mm-hmm. because I believe that, you know, I'm a big part of nature and whatever I do, you know, feeds into the larger ecosystem. And that really has been, um, you know, the mindset we put into our work. So it's also funny you talk about, you know, older people, um, elders, you know, intergenerational kind of work. I think it was sometime last year that we got into a project with Stanford University and a couple of collaborators, Brit Way, you know, looking really at what is the power in conversations around, you know, climate emotions and thinking about how conversations and dialogue even among young people and older people might be useful to help us um, kind of navigate this very difficult emotions and we've started that project um, intervention for Lagos it's happening both in Lagos the UK and the US and it's been interesting to see even older people talk about these difficult emotions that they have also had to cope with, deal with, but at the same time, they've not found you know ways to express them as we now have as young people and it's just been really interesting to see them you know kind of offer advice for resilience but at the same time look to us to see how 
even in expressing emotions, in validating emotions, we find strength, you know, to cope through, you know, what we're all going through as, you know, in the climate crisis. And that has kind of off- brought off an offshoot of a project we're now about to start, where we're looking for, you know, climate activists who are now older people over 60 in Nigeria who have for a very long time been doing this work, trying to see what narratives they've held on to for a very long time that has kept them to kind of continue and, you know, pull through and have that kind of marathon mindset that they, you just have to continue pointing yourself to do this work. And that, you know, ties really good with the topic, you know, the team of this podcast. Mm-hmm. These elders have found joy in their work even though it's difficult you know they've found joy and they've been able to hold both feelings of sufferings and pain with joy and you know accomplishments and achievements over time and I think there there are opportunities for us to also learn you know from our elders and from older people when it comes to the climate crisis so we're really excited to be doing that work um, with Stanford University and you know in Nigeria as well um, so just wanted to touch a bit on that mm. thank you Jennifer that's very very profound and great to hear that you have made openings in this intergenerational dialogue and one of the very sad things that can happen around climate issues is that there may be generational disputes or mm-hmm. then between people who have uh, or seem to have different kind of attitudes and behaviors so there's a lot of bridge building needed in communities and it's always great to hear when people uh, have good experiences of of, of that it also so- sounds like uh, you have been able to get with others uh, to remain open to this full spectrum of life, all the different emotions, as you as you say. And I'm very much appreciating that you uh, explicitly acknowledge the oscillation between various moods. Mm-hmm. And in my own own research work about the various. Uh, journeys that people have with climate emotions and different dimensions. The uh, fact of oscillation has been very important there. So trying to validate that it's a very normal thing thing which, uh, which happens and also advocating that we need distancing in a healthy sense. So mm. self-care and community care and relaxation. So uh, so I, I hear a lot of things happening with uh, su- susty vibes that uh, I've also been discussing in the more theori- theoretical work. So very good to hear. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer, when you talk... I mean, a lot of this, I think, for the listeners, for everyone, is is really well. We talk about environmental identity, so we have this. We have an identity about our a part of our identity is how we relate to nature and the natural world, and and you know, it's claiming that identity and whatever that means for us, and it's always intersecting with all of our other cultural and gender and mm-hmm. sexual identities, and you know, so you're claiming, you're talking about claiming your environmental identity as a Nigerian person and. As a, I'm not sure how you think of yourself, and maybe as a as a young woman or mm-hmm. whatever terms that you know you use, you're claiming this and helping other people and other young people to claim this. And you know, it's cool, it's good, it's fun, it's 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 important. It's not weird, as you say. Started with this, and I used to take the American young people out into the woods for their 
in the US for their therapy and my coworker mm. said, "Well, what about what about me? I'm I'm well, how does this work for me as an adult?" And that's how I got into my own mm. idea of su- sustainable self, right? Personal sustainability. So like we take our abstract sustainability ideas about the world and and put it to our own life, mm. you know. So it makes no sense to run down run ourselves down and burn ourselves out to save the planet because we are part of nature, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was my, that was my equation at the time, this idea of personal sustainability, sustainable self. Um, your equation is susty vibes. Oh, what other, what other in, in Nigeria or in other parts of the world in terms of creating their own visions? Or what do you see about the... Yeah, yeah, for sure. I've been, you know, I've had young people come up to me to say even just the concept of Susty Vibes has inspired them to start, you know, new initiatives where they're just thinking through of possibilities, you know, as you mentioned, um, you know, sustainable futures and what that would look like. And that for me has been just very fulfilling to see, you know, that this concept or this idea resonates with a lot of people. When we host a party, for example, and we have lots of people sign up and attend, it's very validating. And even with Susty Vibes, so our eco-anxiety work is channeled through something called the Eco-Anxiety Africa Project, which we started um, last year in February, actually, and the the amount of you know how how many people have embraced you know that project have reached out have you know felt very validated have said oh we've needed this for a very long time you know i've had even older environmentalists say Equal anxiety has been with us for a very long time. We've just mm-hmm. not had a word, you know, to define and kind of conceptualize it. So it feels good to, you know, see people, see these initiatives and this project and, you know, just fully embrace it and say they feel validated. You know, they feel kind of empowered to say that they are not crazy to have all of these emotions that Mm -hmm. these are real human experiences they make us human and it's even within these emotions that we find strength to act you know for 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 you know environmental protection so i think that has been really useful for us yeah yeah anxiety as an ally you know it's a normal part of our emotional equipment to feel anxious about threats. And I think traditionally sustainability, like you talk about sustainable development is very intellectual. Mm-hmm. It's very economic. It's very reductionistic. Even people that understand science and conservation or wildlife conservation, uh, a lot of these people have, have, have silently suffered because the scientists themselves and the economic ec- economists and the, and the activists haven't had that emotional mm-hmm. language. So it is really uh, empowering to be able to share these things and, and not feel like you're weak or or less than or not as not as rigorous and things like that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's very important sort of public work and public witness. And uh, I've heard similar things from older people in Finland. Now that for the last six years we've had more discussion about eco-emotions in Finland so they have been 
come, come to me say, and my colleagues saying that, you know, in the early 1970s with the oil crisis, so we did feel this kind of anxiety already then, but there was just no words words for it. So that, that seems to be a thing to to be discussed in various parts of the world, how, how to connect uh, the generations which are more active now and then the older ones and yeah. uh, for, find ways to join join forces and uh, what, what, what about um, elsewhere in, in Africa I know that's a huge con- continent but uh, have you some sort of friend organizations in in countries or areas areas nearby so so how's the scene around that yeah for sure I mean the project the research project I'm working with Dr. Charles Orr is looking at Anglophone West Africa and with every organization we've reached out to to collaborate you know they've said you know yes this is something that's been needed this is a gap you know in our work we've done kind of climate adaptation or mitigation in ways that have been very much about kind of infrastructure or funding you know economics of things without looking at the social fabric, you know, our well-being and what adaptation means true and true. And it's been very, you know, good to see, you know, project partners. So with TIP, what we've done is to host uh, monthly webinars and we've tried to find, you know, people in other parts of Africa who resonate with this idea. So we've had, you know, um, webinars with collaborators in Kenya, you know, the one we have, we have one later this weekend with collaborators in Egypt, you know, who wants to explore things like empathy and how it, you know, really supports us in, you know, navigating climate anxiety, eco-anxiety. So it's been, it's been very interesting, you know, to see that kind of spectrum, you know, there's folks in Ghana who are using arts to also explore, you know, this this topic. And so you 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 see when you see all of these projects coming up, you're excited because it kind of resonates deep mm-hmm. and it shows that we're making progress. We are now kind of filling the gap, filling the knowledge gap to have more about these conversations because advocacy is key. The next level would be how do we then put this into policy? How do our environmental and health ministries, you know, come together to look to look at how to really support people when we talk about climate adaptation? So it's you know it's been refreshing to see you know this new direction and this conversation. And one thing I didn't talk about is um, Susti Vibes is part of the consortium working on you know the really global dialogues on climate and mental health with the Wellcome Trust. And we're really looking forward to leading a lot of these projects, you know, particularly in the global south, working with all of our consortium partners, um, Imperial University and whatnot. So it's it's been good to see that this direction, this attention and all of these opportunities are coming up to do this kind of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is great. This is a great uh Great conversation. We're coming to the end of our time, and I think we really succeeded in, Jennifer, just learning a little bit about you and your work. Um, you know, practically for the listeners, what you're hearing is 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 how to deal with eco-anxiety. You know, it is painful, it is scary, it is overwhelming, but we don't eliminate it. We we simply add additional emotions to to help support 
So on each side of my anxiety, I have empathy and I have my positive vibrations and I have my relationships, right? And I have my hope. So it's not, it's not a black and white. It's, it's, it's about multiple emotions in harmony. And then that, that anxiety kind of has its place, but it's not alone. And then of course, one thing we might do in the future, all of us is do some sort of geography of eco-anxiety, you know, because different regions have different variations. Jennifer, you're not tapping into the shame that someone maybe in, in some more priv- privileged places tap into because there's so there's a geography of this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really appreciate your time and Panu, I know you're working on how, how to cope. You want to cl- close us off with some comments today, Panu? Uh, well, warm thanks, Jenny- Jennifer, for your time and all this uh, lived wisdom you you are bringing both to this conversation and to the places where you are working together, together with others. So uh, there's been great content relation in relation to helpful coping with emotions, uh, which, which is sort of embodied me- methods happening both oneself and together with others. So well, warm, warm thanks, Jenny, for, for all, all that. Thanks so much, Pano and Thomas. Yeah, and I'm going to get started with my day here in, in, in northwestern U.S. Panu, you have your evening. Uh, Jennifer, what's the rest of your, your day hold for you? Um, I have one neck, one last meeting for the day, and I'll just mm-hmm. wrap up. Yeah, it's almost six p.m. here. All right, so you still got some work to do before you can get your your healthy rest. Well, thanks again, Jennifer. We'll share all the. Uh, we'll have a number of good links on our our show notes, and we'll be getting this episode out soon. Thank you. Thank you all, and to the listeners, be well. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. Climate Change and Happiness podcast is a self-funded volunteer effort. Please support us so we can keep bringing you messages of coping and thriving. See the donate page at climatechangeandhappiness.com.